You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries. God still has something in store for those who will continue to seek Him even when they're down, even when they've messed up, yes, even when they've sinned. Just because you've sinned, the Bible said where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You take it to the cross and you'll find that at the top of the hill, just a little past the top of your struggle, there's going to be some hilltop honorariums God's laid up for you. Amen. And He's going to honor His promise. He's going to honor His son. Have you ever thought of yourself as a mountain climber? In many ways, we have all climbed a mountain or two or three in our life. Mountains of depression, financial hardship, and physical illness, just to name a few. And as Pastor Gary shares, no matter the mountain you find yourself climbing, God's blessing is waiting for you on the other side. God is also with you every step of the way and helps you to keep going. As it states in Hebrews 13.5, He promises to never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 16 as he begins his message, Hilltop Honorarium. Second Samuel chapter 16 and verse number one to give you context before we read David left the palace for fear of his life and I think more so for fear of being tempted to kill his own son Absalom who was taking over the kingdom there's a renegade spirit uh civil war, if you will, as his son for 40 years won over the hearts of the people and said, oh, if I could be governor, if I could be king. And for 40 years he whispered, oh, how much better his administration would be than his daddy's. And the Bible said in process of time he won or stole the hearts of the people. And when it all come down to it, David chose to leave the palace so he's out in the wilderness, going towards the wilderness, weeping as they went. And we're going to read right now, beginning verse 1. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled upon them, 200 loaves of bread and a 100 bunches of raisins and a 100 of summer fruits and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on. (laughs) Mm. And the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat. And the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, Where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. I don't have time to get into the historical background of that. I may touch on that later. Read verse 4. Then said the king of Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertain unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And when king David came to 
Behear and behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimel, excuse me, Shimei, the son of Jerah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Thus did Shimei, when he cursed, come out. Thus said he, come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. This was a false prophecy, of course. But I will talk about that later. Verse 9. And then said Abishai, the son of Jeriah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. I kind of like him, don't you? <laughs> oh, don't be so sanctimonious. Amen. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Jeriah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on me in mine affliction, and that the Lord will require requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hill's side over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Focusing on verse 2, second part, he said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit, for the young men to eat and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And uh, my title this morning is Hilltop Honorariums. An honorarium is commonly known as a payment given for professional services that are rendered nominally, nominally without charge. Often when we have a guest preacher or speaker come, we give them what we call an honorarium. It is because they have not set a particular price for their services, but we want to honor them for their services to the Lord, so we give what we can. Somebody say amen. amen. King David here is doing something in a season in his administration that sometimes administrations have to do, and that's uh, to get down to the nitty and gritty for survival's sake. What he's doing right now is to strengthen what remains and preserve what is left intact so that when the time is right, he can make his move back into the position of the throne. And so you might say in this season in his life, he's not working for the Lord for compensation. You remember young David when he heard about the compensation that was available if anybody could take down Goliath. David got excited about that proposition. And many of you hear about the faith that required for him to walk down and, and, take, all, and take Goliath down and we rejoice over that. But many of us forget that David was also motivated by a compensation package that the king was offering. 
And so David not only was motivated to serve God, but he was also hoping that he could cash in on the prize that was offered for whoever could take this ugly giant down. Somebody say amen. And many times we serve the Lord because we love him, but we need to be compensated along the way. Uh, We know we got to work, we got to eat, we got to live, we got to do what we got to do, but we can't neglect the work of the Lord. So we pray for balance, we pray for a healthy attitude, the right motives and all of that. In this particular season in David's life, he is doing what he's called to do, not what he's being paid to do. And if you want to know the true test of character for anybody that serves God, will they do it without compensation? Not only will they do it without compensation, but will they do it at their own costs? If you're really called of God, you'll do what God calls you to do because it's a calling. And even if it hurts you, even if you have to sacrifice everything to fulfill your ministry, if it's a call of God and his call is on your life, you will do it because that's what God said to do and for no other reason. Many today are hirelings who at the first sight of trouble look for greener pasture and bigger paychecks. But where are the men of God who will serve for honorariums? Can I get an amen? That'll serve and let God decide if and when they ever get paid. Here David is at a loss. He's had to leave everything. He's had to leave his house his, his throne, his seat of power, all of that surrounded that for his protection. And he's avoiding the palace right now. And what he is doing, he is doing simply because he knows that he's serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if he's going to keep things together for the long haul, he's going to have to do whatever it takes to accomplish that objective. And so this is temporary. This is not a permanent problem or situation. But it is a pathway that he must trod through. And by the way, sometimes we have to trod through treacherous paths to do what God has called us to do as a church. And they're sometimes temporary, but they're also necessary. Be careful who you curse while they're down. Be careful what you say about a church in their weakest hour and at their weakest moment. Because you see the externals, but God sees the heart of a king. Can somebody say amen? And while these people are coming in against David and falsely prophesying over him that God is stripping the kingdom from him and that was nothing could be further from the truth, God had already said, I found a man after my own heart. And God's faithfulness is going to see David through this season of loss. But isn't it funny how that when things get topsy-turvy and when, when the preacher seems to be going through a season of, or, or a servant of God or a Sunday school teacher seems to be going through a season of discouragement, a season of lack or a season of, a, of despondency or despair, it's easy for people to say, well, maybe we should just look for a better teacher or maybe we should just look for another pastor or Maybe uh, so. Maybe their problem is this or that, and 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 here come the people that like to cuss those people while they're down, not realizing that the fight is nowhere near finished. Amen. So David, insults and all, is just taking it like a man. He's just serving God. Now some would argue that David is in this situation because he brought it on himself. After all, he did commit the sin of adultery 
and then killed the husband to hide his crime, to hide his sin. He has his dirty laundry. And I would even say that in part what he's going through in this season in his life is at least partly related to the consequence of his own poor decisions. But what I also need you to see is while on one side in the flesh he is reaping what he had sowed in the flesh, on the spiritual side he's also reaping what he sowed in the spirit. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Can I get an amen? And he remembered David's good days. He remembered David's contributions. Thank God that David even said at one point, he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Let's just be honest. If we got what we really deserve, none of us would be here this morning. If we got what we really deserve, we'd be in hell, wouldn't we? If we, if we just be totally honest, if we got what we really deserve, God would not be near as good to us as he is. You see, God's honorariums are not based upon your value. God's honorariums are not based upon your righteousness. God's honorariums are not based upon your faithfulness. They're based upon who he is and what he has purposed for your life. And I'm glad to announce to you that when you're up, God's going to be good to you. And when you're down, God's going to be good to you. He may chasten you, but even the chastening hand of the Lord is goodness. For it produces repentance that results in better days ahead. Are you with me? So here David is, walking along discouraged, barefoot and weeping, the Bible says. Here's this fellow come along cussing, and, they, and his armor bearer, Abishai, wants to take his head off. Thank God for people that'll stand up for the man of God, by the way. Amen. I, I don't want anybody taking nobody's head off for me, though. Amen. But thank God for Abishai. But David said, you know what? I'm probably getting what I deserve. Just let him talk. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But while they're weeping, weary, barefoot, trodden that treacherous path, man, there's some things here you need to see that'll apply directly to your life. And I want to point them out with you for just the next few minutes if you'll let me. Amen. Hilltop honorarium. See, some of you struggling. The thing about a hill is it's, you have to climb to get to the top of it. Amen. And, and you know what happens when you climb? There's constant resistance. Uh, gravity never gives up. Have you ever noticed that? Gravity never stops unless you go to space. Amen. I don't think we've got any astronauts in here, do we? Amen. And the devil never stops. And your flesh never stops. And your struggles never stop. It is a constant grind to do what God's called you to do. Somebody say amen. You're always going to, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're always going to have a fight on your hands. If it ain't the flesh, it's the devil. If it ain't the devil, it's a brother or sister in Christ being a knucklehead. If it ain't them, it's uh, somebody at work about to drive, your, uh, drive you crazy and get on your last nerve. Can I get an amen? It's always a struggle to try to keep your head in the book and keep the book in your head so that you don't veer off the path and do stupid. And here David is climbing that hill, discouraged, brokenhearted, weeping as he went. And then as he crosses the top of the hill, he meets something unexpected. 
Here is a, a convoy of resources, grapes, wine, all the good stuff to help them uh, to be restored. Amen. And, and while David is climbing that hill of regret, thinking that he's getting what he deserved, amen, uh, he crosses the top of the hill and discovers uh, that God has more grace than David had sin. Amen. Uh, that God still has something in store for those uh, who will continue to seek him even when they're down, even when they've messed up. Yes, even when they've sinned. Uh, just because you've sinned, the Bible said, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You take it to the cross and you'll find that at the top of the hill, just a little past the top of your struggle, there's going to be some hilltop honorariums. God's lot laid up for you. Amen. And he's going to honor his promise. He's going to honor his son. And he's going to bless you with what the blood of Jesus Christ paid for. And here you thought it was what you was going to get and what you deserve. But no, 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 no. God's much bigger than that. He's much more gracious than that. And he's going to give you a what the blood of Jesus provides for you. Amen. Aren't you glad for a Savior who knows how to restore our soul? Amen. And I'm looking at here, and I see that David was discouraged. He was weeping. Let me point out you some things here real quick. Number one, I want to look at the weeping. Uh, as the king left Jerusalem on behalf of the betrayal of his son, Absalom, the Bible said all the country wept with a loud voice. That's chapter 15, verse 23. I want you to notice uh, that sometimes uh, in ministry, separations are caused by misplaced loyalties within God's kingdom still even today. Have you ever had to separate? Uh, uh, I, I'm going to do some preaching now. Have you ever had to separate from a friendship in the kingdom, in the church over a split or over indecisive or over a misunderstanding or somebody said something they shouldn't have said? Uh, somebody did that something they shouldn't have done uh, and it was your friend in church and if that's the one safe place it's supposed to be is church but all of a sudden the one person that you counted on let you down and now there's a split in the kingdom. Amen. And so there's some separation going on. And I feel like today, if God wants to do anything in his church to revive it, it is to repair the tears of division within his body. Amen. To bring the kingdom back together again. But you've got to be willing to let the Holy Ghost of God point it out, bring it up and pour his oil on it and address the situation. No problem swept under the rug will ever come to a point of healing and you can ignore a problem for 50 years if you want to and God will never bother you with it if that's what you insist on doing but before you do that you better count the cost honey what is the cost of a split kingdom what is the cost of a split church over an unbiblical opinion is it really worth it is it really worth the kingdom to be so sliced and divided that churches can't even get together for anything for sake of jealousy or fear? Well, they're going to rob our members over there. There's, there's preachers that won't have me preaching their pulpits because they're afraid that if they do, their church members will come over here and join my church. No, we ain't clapping for that, sister. I appreciate it, though. I, I'm not after nobody's church members. I'm after sinners for whom Christ died. And if we get past ourselves and build the kingdom of God together, you'd be, there'd be enough sinners for both churches without you having to worry about it. 
Amen. Uh, we're, not, we're not in here to recruit church members from other churches. We're here to go out and say, uh, win the lost to Christ that they'd never darken the door of a church. Right. Amen. So don't be worried about inviting other church members who are already convinced. Listen, they already got the bread of life. Go find you an old sinner somewhere that's a sop drunk and needs to be saved by the grace of God and tell them what Jesus can do to save their wretched soul. Watch God scoop them up off the bottom, put them in the choir. Next thing you know, you got somebody so on fire for God, the hell couldn't stop them. Amen. Because they know where God brought them from, but some religious folk done forgot just how far down they were when God saved them. And kingdoms are split. Churches are split. Amen. And I believe that we can make a comparison here that there's been much sorrow and weeping in churches for, for things that went wrong that should have never went wrong. And over misplaced loyalties. The people misplacing their loyalty in a false prophet named Absalom rather than listening to the, 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 the one that God chose and anointed and put his favor on. And you always go wrong when you start listening to the, the voices of men. And I don't, and by the way, we got to get past this uh, idea that the majority rules. How many times in the Bible was the majority wrong? Just because the majority put their stamp of approval on it doesn't necessarily mean that it was of God. Study your Bible. You'll find out that sometimes the easiest people to deceive are people that uh, travel together in masses. Because it's so much easier to just follow the flow that everybody else says, let's, well, oh, oh, we going this Okay, let's go this way. Because most people don't want to lead. They just want to follow. As long as somebody's leading, they ain't up front in the spotlight. They're good just to follow along. They'll follow somebody right down into the slaughterhouse. Won't even realize what they did. So God has to send a prophet, somebody that can see through the thick and the fog and the myriad ideas of humans that are not in tune with the voice of God to make sure that we ward off, uh, fend off the wolves, make sure nobody comes in, creeps in unawares and starts whispering uh, uh, hatred and backbiting and divisions and schisms in the church and saying, well, you know, uh, if I was king, I would do it this way. If I was king, I would do it that way. You know what? If I was the pastor, I'd do it this way. Way. If I was a pastor, I'd do it that way. Can I just go ahead and tell you, you're not the pastor? I didn't know I was going to go this direction, but here we are. Hashtag not the pastor. And some people get offended because I'm so singular minded. It feels like stubbornness on some people's end. They think I'm just being hard headed. I, I just, hey, preacher only says things one way. If, if all I see it is the way that God showed it to me, what would be so wrong with that? If, if I see it the way the Holy Spirit, I am convinced, showed it to me, and I'm determined to not compromise that position because I know that there's a hilltop honorarium if we'll go through the stuff to get there, then what would be the problem with this continuing to follow God and see what God does to bless? See, I've read the book, and I've seen people like David. He's down today. This is not his darkest hour, but this is certainly a dark day in the kingdom, but it's not the last day in the kingdom either. I told y'all months ago that we're likely to suffer a drop in attendance before we experience a growth in attendance. But it's in the dropping where the temptations are strongest to second guess our allegiances and our ambitions in ministry. Uh, are we going to come to the conclusion that the devil would have us come to that, well, there's 
really nothing going on here, so maybe I should look for higher ground. Maybe I should side with Absalom. Or are we going to say, you know what? I was there. I've, I've seen God's anointing on God's servant. And, and I, I don't understand everything, but I can't deny the fact that God has chosen someone. And I believe I'll just stick with the one that God picked out and wait and see what God does. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.